Good evening. Welcome to Tuesday Evening Chapel. You guys enjoying the weather? It does feel like spring. I think we still have a couple classes that are trying to make their way. started our spring trimester, and it does feel like spring a little bit. Amen. We are continuing our, our theme, uh, Trust in the Lord. Uh, in our fall, we focused in on the first part of the passage of Proverbs chapter 3, and where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. And in the winter, we focused in, in all your ways, acknowledge Him. And we're continuing here in the spring, and he, trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. Say that with me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and he will make your path straight. So we're continuing our theme into trust. Amen. It is our privilege to have um, Professor Joe Warrington. He's going to be uh, bringing the word tonight. Could you welcome him this evening? Stand with me as we worship this evening in song. Psalms 91 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. And I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Amen. Let's pray together. Our gracious and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for being with us here tonight. We thank you for your promises. We thank you for all that you've been doing in our hearts, in our lives. And we've come here this evening to praise you. We've come here to exalt your name, to give you thanks, to acknowledge our deep desire for you, how desperate we are for who you are in your spirit and your work in our hearts. So would you, O oh Father, just minister to us through your word tonight, and we give you praise. Amen. Amen. I would invite you to open the scriptures with me to the psalm, Psalm 115, would be a focus tonight, and uh, a simple title of Trust in Jehovah. Trust God. Amen. It appears as we, and I invite you to, to leave, uh, to have your Bibles open to that psalm as we work our way through it. Uh, 
In fact, let me read uh, just a few verses uh, for us. Verses 1 through 8, I'd like to read, but uh, look at the entire psalm. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever pleases him. But the idols are silver and gold made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter a sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, and so will all who trust in them. Amen. That's all I want to read, but uh, we'll, we'll follow the, the entire um, chapter. It, it seems that uh, the nations around Israel were taunting them. They had not seen any major signs, no miracles, no miraculous display of God's power. And so the question they raised was, where is your God? Where is your God? You find it there in uh, verse 2. And uh, for, for the Israelites, what was at stake was the glory of the Lord's name. Yeah. Not only were they taunting the people of God, but in some sense they were taunting God. Uh, they were saying he's absent. He's not around. We don't see him around. You see, Israel's God was never to be a visible God in the sense of shrines and images that you could feel him and touch him. From the very beginning, they were forbidden to craft any images of God. But the pagans around them, that's what they were used to. Their concept of God was something else that they could see and feel and touch and smell. It's been a while since God had moved upon the Egyptians and opened the Red Sea and delivered them and all the miraculous power displayed. It was a while since they had crossed the Jordan River to see the water stopped. And so they had not seen the display of the supernatural, the miraculous, the power of God. And so their God there neighbor city-states were saying to them, ha, your God's finished. He's gone. He's taking a hyenas. And, and so they, this psalm is one of what is called the Egyptian Hillel psalm. It's a praise psalm. Psalms 113 through 118 falls in that category. It's a praise psalm. It's a community praise psalm. And, and, and so they, they felt the, 
the weight of this, because not only is their nation dishonored, but their God is dishonored. So they came, and in emphatic way, they says, not to us, O God, not to us. It's not about us. It's not about our glory. It's not about who we are. It's all about you. Uh, we are utterly worthless, O oh God. In fact, we have not behaved very well, so we deserve not to be even in the limelight, O oh God. We have broken your covenant so many times. We have perennially disobeyed you, O oh God. It's not about us, not about us, but O oh God, you. It's about your name, your glory, your reputation is at stake, O oh God. Why? Uh, be, be, because of your faithfulness and your love, your kindness, O oh God, is at stake here. And he's saying, where, where are you? Uh, this psalm is liturgical, of course. It's in the worship, it's in the temple. And there are characters in all of this. Uh, the first eight verses is, appears to be the congregation that affirms the existence of God. Uh, the, the, the text brings out, it is your, your love or your, your faithfulness and your truth, O God. The NIV translates it because of your love and faithfulness. Other translations have your loving kindness and truth. You're full of grace and truth. Does that sound familiar? That was said, well, that was said of Jesus, wasn't he? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory as of the only Father, uh, of that of the, of the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 14 of John 1, verse 17, reiterates that again. Full of grace and truth. God, you deal with us. You have in the past, and you will. You are a promising God. You cannot go down. We, we cannot be silent about what the pagans are saying about you. Full of grace and truth. Uh, the, we, we, we see this affirmation of God, not only of his grace and truth, but of his absolute power and his freedom. Verse 3, in this congregational affirmation, our God is in heaven. Invisible, yes, but he's also in our hearts. And he is almighty. He is all, he is all powerful. Notice how it is said here. Our God is in heaven and he does whatever pleases him. I like that, don't you? He has total power. Almighty power. In fact, he's called almighty God. He's sovereign. He does. Amen. Uh, he does. He's not a dead God. He's a living God. He's, uh, he's a God who promises. He's a God who acts. 
He acts in kindness and truth. But he does whatever pleases him. That is, he has total freedom. He, the, the almighty power and absolute freedom of God is affirmed here uh, by the congregation. He's in heaven, invisible indeed, but ruling the universe. Oh, Lord Jesus Christ, exalted, sits at the right hand of the Father and rules his church. Invisible, yes, but not absent. Where is your God? He, affirm, he affirms in this passage by the congregation the utter impotence of idols and, and, and false deities. Look at verses 4 through 8, this description we see of, of, of these false gods, these pagan gods. But their idols are silver. Their idols are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. Although they are made with expensive <laughs> material, <laughs> they are worthless. Hello? In fact, they came from the ground. <laughs> the silver and gold were, were dug from the ground. Our God is in heaven. Your gods came from under the earth. Made with the expensive mineral, uh, material and elements, but they're worthless. Here's what is said of them. They cannot see. They cannot speak. They cannot hear, they cannot smell, they cannot feel, and they are silent. They were accusing God of being silent, of being absent, but the table is turned. The congregation affirms that it is their gods, their pagan gods. They are lifeless and so are their devotees. Like them are they that make them. That is, put, they that put their trust in them are like them. Worthless, lifeless. But we have a God that is in heaven. We become like what we worship, don't we? We become like what we worship. If we look at verse 8, as they, they, they said, that those who make them will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. We worship dead gods, we are dead. But when we worship the God who is in heaven, the reverse is true. We become like him, full of grace and truth. We take on his character. In, in one of the Aesop's fables, I, I, I cannot remember the exact fellow who had gone away for a long, long time. It's been a while since I read that story. And, and uh, on his journey, 
whatever God he encountered, he became like that God. So when the God was kind, he was kind. And when the God was cruel, oh, he was cruel. And when he came back, now this is a fable, of course, in Greek mythology and Greek gods. When he came back, he started to treat people like he was treated for all those years. When the gods were rude to him, he was rude to the people. We become like the God we worship. And so we see in this, in this little psalm, we become like him, we exhibit the qualities and the characteristics of his being. We will be gracious, we will be truthful, we will be holy. And all the characters of God will sit through our very lives because we become what we worship. Think of the fruit of the Spirit for a moment. Filled with the Spirit, we take on those attributes and those virtues. We move then from the congregation that affirmed uh, the, the, the God and, and who he is in heaven. And, and, and we, we come to the Levites and the choir. I remember it's a liturgical psalm in the setting in the temple. And now the Levites and the choir in song, they are calling on the people of God to put their trust in Jehovah. In verse 9 it says, O house of Israel, trust in the Lord. These pagans, they are trusting in their gods that are dead. They cannot speak, they cannot hear, they cannot feel. But we put our trust in Jehovah, in Yahweh. And it is in the form of a solo and then a refrain. The solo, the Levites would say, Oh, Israel, trust in Jehovah. And the choir would say, He is their help and their shield. So we had the congregation affirmed. God's presence. And, and then the choir and the platform and the Levites, the leader. He would say, one of the Levites again would say, Oh, house of Aaron, trust in Jehovah. So you have the house of Israel, you have the house of Aaron, and again the refrain, the choir would say, he is their help and their shield. The soloist would come back again, you who fear Jehovah. And now there appears to be three groups of people. The house of Israel, the house of Aaron, and uh, some have suggested that these who fear Jehovah would uh, might be proselytes who had joined with them, or it just could be the lady and the priest combined, the, those who fear the Lord. He is their help and their shield. But it moves, it moves on. The existence of God having been affirmed by the congregation and the call for Israel to trust Jehovah having been sung by the Levites and, and the choir, we come to the priests. Verses 12 through 15. God's representative. 
who now must pronounce Jehovah's blessing upon them. I hope you see the movement in this worship setting, this liturgical psalm. The congregation affirms the existence and the power and the freedom and the loving kindness and the truth about God. The choir takes over with the Levites and soloist sings or plays an instrument and sings and then the choir says, He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. He is our help and our shield. And then the worship service is over and the priest gets up. He must deliver his little homily. Midrash, <laughs> his little sermonette. You know what a sermonette is? Uh, I'm just tempted. A sermonette is for cigar is for a Christianette that smokes cigarette. <laughs> but that's not what the priest was doing. I was I just had to throw that in. I'm sorry. <laughs> but the priest comes in and he begins his his message. First of all, he says, Jehovah is mindful of us. He is not dead. He's alive. He's in heaven. He can talk. He can touch. He's mindful of us. Verse 12. This is an echo of Psalm 8. When I consider the heavens and the earth, the psalmist says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? The Levite, uh, the priest, steeped in Old Testament scripture, I would say. Jehovah is mindful of us. He's not an absent God. He's not on vacation. Amen. Why is he mindful of us? Let me give you three reasons why I believe he's mindful of us tonight. Number one, because of his creation. We belong to him. He created us. He loved us. He did not create us to be an extension of himself because he was lonely and he needed some kind of, of help to be full and to become God. He was God all by himself and out of his goodness and loving kindness and power and mercy and kindness, he says, I'll make man. Out of his creation. He's mindful of us. Nothing happens to us that he is unaware of. Mm. You've been wondering those four years or maybe five or maybe some of you have just started. Am I in the right place? Am I answering the right call? Is God with me through this? I am going through some tough times or uh, I'm putting my family through this. Is God mindful of me? He is. You are his, not only by creation, but he's mindful of man because of man's condition. Amen. You know the story. Man, by disobedience, fell. He is totally debilitated, needs restoration, needs help. And so God is mindful of man so he can restore man into his likeness and image and bring him to the place where he can truly worship him with all of his heart and soul and mind so he can really be in constant fidelity and fellowship with God. God is mindful of us. 
because of our condition. But thirdly, the priest said, God is mindful of us because of his redemption. He sent his son to be the propitiation for our sin. That's a big word. It simply means he became one of us to save us from our sins. He understands our condition but would not leave us in it. And so God is mindful of us because of Christ's redemption on the cross. But the message of the priest continues. The message of the priest is one of blessing for those who would put their trust in Jehovah. Look at verse 12a with me again. He says, the Lord remembers us and will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. And remember those three areas again. There seems to be a triad here. Israel, house of Aaron, and those that fear Jehovah. And he blesses. May you, he says, bless the house of Israel. Bless the house of Aaron. Bless them that fear Jehovah. Both small and great. From the wealthy to the poorest, from the child to the adult. None passes and squeaks through his blessing. God is here. Those that may seem that I do not have much to offer you, O oh God, you are part of his orbit. He encompasses you. He's mindful of you this evening. May you and your children increase more and more because of Jehovah, verse 14. This is both spiritual and temporal. Blessings. Amen. I like blessings, don't you? Blessing is good. <laughs> Amen. Uh, for a God who seemed that they were silent and no miracles and, and nothing's happening to the point where the pagans were taunting them and, and saying, your God is dead. He's gone. He's, he's left you alone. He's abandoned you. You're gone. You're finished. You're done with. The priest says, uh-uh. He's blessing. He's a promising God and he will bless both small and great, uh, uh, rich and poor. May you be blessed by Jehovah, the maker of heaven and earth. Verse 15. Amen. What a God. He's the maker. He lives in heaven, but he has given us earth. That's a gift. In fact, that's what he says. Uh, look at it with me. Uh, the, uh, may, may, verse 15. May you be blessed by the, the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now the congregation will come back. So they started this thing, affirming God. The Levites and the, pre and the choir did their part. They had a solo and they gave the refrain. The priest gave his peace. And now the congregation comes back. And the only viable response, there's only one response to a God who is fully alive and engaged with his people. The only viable response to a God who speaks and communicates his will is to praise him. Can you think of another response? And so verses 16 to 18. 
uh, verse 16 says we do not need in a sense the visible image of we do not need any shrine our God the highest heavens belongs to him we do not need the golden calf we do not need statues made statues made with gold and silver as expensive as they might be our God is in heaven. He lives in the highest heaven. It belongs to him. But the earth he has given to us to enjoy. Oh, the beauty of it. Oh, my goodness. I, if it was in the morning and the, the, the curtains were moved, you would see a little bit of that beauty out there. I had the privilege some years ago to go on to Telluride uh, up on the western slope. And uh, I, I do not ski, but I, I had the privilege of getting into one of those little trams up there and to take it down the mountain over the little town of Telluride in the winter while folks were cold and skiing. Warm in my little tram. And looking down at the beauty, they call it little Switzerland. Beautiful. Part of God's creation I was enjoying. He gave us the earth. Amen. We, you think of the earth with all of its crime and all the control and the chaos that's happening. But there is something that God has given to us to enjoy that rejuvenates our spirit. That makes us more in tune with him. He lives in heaven where he rules and governs. And he has given us the earth. Thank God. Amen. Next time I drive up in the mountains, and thank God. Next time I'm pulling a little trout on my line, thank God. He's given us the earth. Amen. We praise him because we can. Verse 17. Because the dead are silent. Those who go down in the grave cannot praise God any longer. And so the congregation comes back and says, Oh, our God is in heaven. He has given us the earth, and boy, we're going to praise him because we can. We have voice. We are alive. We can move. We can enjoy all the good things he's given to us, and we're going to have a shouting time. Praise the Lord. We praise him because we can. Do you realize that? That was one of David's fears and uh, in the Psalms, repeated over and over. Don't let them destroy me and take me down into the pit because I will not be able to praise you. Don't let them destroy me. Don't let my enemies overwhelm me because if they do, they will take me down and I will not be able to praise you. Trust in the Lord. Trust Him. 
trust Jehovah. Uh, we will eternally bless the Lord, the church says, as the, it closes uh, this, this little filial psalm. It is we who extol the Lord both now and forevermore. Amen. Hallelujah. And hallelujah means praise the Lord. Those who trust Jehovah will praise Jehovah. And I wonder if there is a lack of praise. There might just be a lack of trust because God to them may just be dead, absent, missing in action, AWOL, gone. And there seems to be no sign of the movement of God. Oh, don't let the world rob you of your God. Don't let secular society dictate for you the dimensions of the God who lives in heaven, who sent his Son, who lived among us and saved us, who is mindful of us, full of grace and truth, and lives forever and ever. And we are to say, there is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah. There is no God like Jehovah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. No, I'm not through. I'm not through. Just getting started. Just getting started. Oh, my. All right. Well, let me wind up. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. That's what Jesus told Thomas when he was looking for a sign, a visible sign of the presence of God, of Jesus. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. For some of you, this is your final spring at Nazarene Bible College. The journey has been long, sometimes difficult, but I hope glorious. But the God who has called you has taken care of you and your family. You want to leave this place more sure of God than when you arrived. You're going to help your congregation affirm God's existence as you navigate ministry in the 21st century. Help them experience his grace and truth. Help them put their trust in him by modeling the same. Help them experience his mighty power as well as his absolute freedom to do amazing things in your life as you surrender and as they surrender to him. As their priest when you get out there and spiritual guide and leader pronounce the blessings of God upon them, both young and old, small and great. When you get discouraged, remember he is the God who is fully alive and he wants you to engage him at every level. He can see, he can speak, he can hear, he can smell, he can feel, he knows your pain, he knows all about you. Engage him at the deepest levels of your soul. When you feel discouraged, take a vacation. He has given you this beautiful earth. He has given you your beautiful family to enjoy. For those who are yet single, keep trusting him. All good things he has so graciously provided for you. Most of all, he has given you his son. He has given you his spirit. Amen. Bless him. Bless him. Bless him forevermore. For the rest of us, Bless those of our friends who will soon say goodbye to us and let's keep on loving. Let's keep on serving. Let's keep on trusting. There's no God like Jehovah. No, we will bless him forevermore, forevermore. And everybody say, hallelujah. Amen. Praise the Lord. Well, I better stop. I better stop. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me.
Bless his holy name. He's alive. He brought you here. He'll see you through. He will carry you. Trust in Jehovah. Trust him with all your heart. Amen and amen. I'm sorry I took more time than I wanted to. God bless you tonight. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Let's close. Let's, would you stand with me? Father, thank you. Thank you for your word. May we hide it in our hearts that it will carry us through, that we will not sin against you. We praise you right now. We say hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh God, we are yours. We are your congregation. We are yours, oh God. And we ask you to go with us tonight. Keep us trusting. Keep us believing. Keep us, Lord, in the center of your will. Help us always to be centered in the heart of God. Thank you so much. You're mindful of us tonight. In the wonderful, precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Amen.